Actually, I, you know, those, I'll, I'll those finals that I've covered in Texas, the one in Dallas, uh, McMahon, it was like a hundred and forever. Yeah. So hot. Hopefully we're not recording. <laughs> is that code for you want me to have recorded that Welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. It's Thursday. We're in the middle of the conference finals. Everybody's tired. I know I'm tired. LeBron was debating whether he was tired last night. He was um, tired. <laughs> Jackie, that lo- well, we'll talk about. Hold on, we'll <laughs> talk about that in a second. Uh, Jackie and I are in. Uh, Jackie Mack and I are in Boston. We went to the game last night in TD Garden. We'll Spinning the dials in Los Angeles, and joining us, Andrew Hunter. Are we allowed to say? The finals? Are we allowed to say that you're joining us for the finals and we're doing live podcasts during the finals after games and stuff? No, we're Are not. we allowed to say that? We're not allowed to say that. So okay. thanks, for, thanks for saying that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, and joining us from Houston. I think that's where the series I think that's where the series is. Uh, is Van McMahon. He's Van McMahon. Van McMahon. He's a baddest Howdy, partners. Uh, so, Jackie, um, that Cavs locker room, Jackie and I were in the Cavs locker room after the game last night. How would you describe, Jackie, how would you describe the, uh, the mood, the, 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 uh, the atmosphere in that locker room after that game? I would say it was disjointed, much like the Cavs were throughout the game. How's that for a depiction? It was bizarre, right? Wouldn't you uh, say? Everybody, it was dead quiet. Except for and, LeBron. Right? Well, that's yeah, that's true. LeBron was chatting everybody up. He had yep. to. He had he to. Doing, uh, he was doing that false. Hey, everything's fine, and I'm fine. I'm not tired. I'll talk to anybody. Thing that yeah. people do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very odd. Very quiet. Um, I did. I want you to know. I did go over to Kyle Corver, and I gave him a big hug and told him I thought he was very brave for doing that story, and that the trust he had with you, Brian, to do that story, which removed both Steven Jackson and myself two tears on the live set of the jump. That's how powerful that story was. But so he was in the back. I was sitting, you saw me with Kevin who had like two ankles in an ice bucket and something funky with that thumb, huh? That thumb does not look good, Brian. Yeah. That thumb is when going, you know, he, he did it in the first, I think the second game of the playoffs. Yeah. It doesn't look good. And uh, well, you know, he, he tore a ligament in there. Right. Uh, I don't think it's it's not wasn't completely torn. If it was completely torn, he wouldn't have been able to play. But he has right. been dealing with that. Um, yeah. So weird, very weird vibe in that locker room. But is there any doubt? Do we all? Is there any doubt? We all know what's going to happen. They're going to go back Friday and win, and then here we are all over again on Sunday. I suppose that's possible. I, I do. I thought the, I thought the game, Jackie. Um, I thought both teams played poorly. Very poorly. relatively. Um, yep. And I thought the Celtics just got more out of it. They got second chance points. They hit a couple more threes. They got to the line. 
they you know they shot thirty six percent and won a game going astonishing. away. Astonishing, yeah. astonishing. Um, major missed opportunity uh, for the Cavs because obviously for them to win the series, they have to win a game here. And they didn't, you know, if you're going to beat the Celtics, you beat them on a night when they're not at their best and they were not at their best. Um, and the, just the Cavs after, you know, LeBron had more points than the rest of the starting lineup combined. And it was a low energy game for LeBron. It was very much so. And, you know, the other thing is you talk about wasted opportunities. They got a lot out of Larry Nance Jr. They got something out of Jordan Clarkson on the road. And that was unexpected. And they didn't they didn't capitalize on it. Well, they got nothing out of uh, J.R. Smith. And next, although Ty Lu defends him for his defense and, you know, Jalen Brown and uh, uh, you know, he was guarding Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Tatum didn't have a Tatum for a guy who's 19 years old, had an incredibly strong professional performance because nobody was do it was doing well. But Tatum just totally maximized what exactly. he had at his disposal. You couldn't um, be any more right on that. And and yep. even Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was like 415. Mm-hmm. So he had a, a quote-unquote bad game, but he got to the line. And he well, that's made it. plays. I mean, that's it. Both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown did what they didn't do in Cleveland, and that is created opportunities where you get to the line, where you drive, and you try to break down that defense. I mean, you know, it's funny. I think, what did Terry Rozier end up being? Three for 15, maybe? Yeah, and, 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 I, I, and, and two of those, horrific. I think, were two of the baskets, I think. Garbage were time. Garbage, garbage time. Basket. So, like, yeah. his his three for 15 was horrific. That's and right. Jaylen, and Jalen Browns was kind of like, oh, wow, did he shoot that badly? Because he seemed like he was in the mix. That's right? exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, on one hand, Jackie, I, I, think the, I think the Cavs have actually played, for them, admirable defense for the last four games. The last four games, the Celtics – are shooting about 40% as a team and that is just unheard of. They've 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 held the Celtics under 100 points. I think three games in a row. And if you'd have told me that at the beginning of the season, I said this suck or this series, this sucker will be over in 5 because I just thought well the Cavs are the, the Cavs can't defend anybody but the one thing they can do is score. They score with the best of them. Right. And but the flip side of that Brian is the, the Celtics identity has been will always be on the defensive end. So and it has there been this go. series. And yep. but the thing about it is, they're just when they get nothing out of the supporting cast, um, you know, yes, it, it's a combination because the Celtics are doing a good job. But um, you know, and also Ty Lue last night, inexplicably. I mean, Kyle Korver. Oh yes, Brian, can you explain that 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 comment post game where he's where Ty Lue said that Kyle Korver didn't play the first quarter because Ojale didn't go into the game. That, that seemed like a weird reason, didn't it? I can't believe Ty said that. Um, hmm. Even if yeah, it was made, true, he shouldn't have said it. Well, uh, it makes no sense. So Kyle, no Korver, sense. Kyle Korver is shooting about, I don't have the number directly in front of me, he shot 52% from three-point range in the uh, Raptors series, and he was shooting 47% from three-point range in this series. So he's obviously a pretty valuable weapon. Now, granted, the Celtics have set their defense up to try to stop him, but the guy's been a pretty valuable offensive weapon. He didn't get off the bench in the first quarter, and he only played seven minutes in the first half. Right. And this is a guy who's been averaging like 23 minutes, and a lot of people thought he'd be playing more. And the Cavs couldn't score. They had like 36 points or whatever. I think they had 42 points at halftime, and they couldn't score. And here's like 
one of their most effective weapons not playing. And so naturally, Ty Lue was asked about it after the game, and he said, well, the Celtics changed their rotation and didn't play Shemi Ojale, and so that was Corver's matchup. And it was such a terrible Jeez. answer. And, you know, up to this point, I thought Ty Lue has acquitted himself so well and, and really been underrated in this series for a lot of the things he's done, truly. I really feel that way. Yeah, well, I do. You know, he you know he made a couple of defensive adjustments that have helped, but um, that was such a poor answer. I mean, even if that was yeah. true, which I, I'm just, you know, he, there are matchups that you're going to play to in this series, but you deploy Kyle Korver and let the Celtics react to that, not the other way around. Of course, of course. Um, so that, considering the all things considered, that was a that was a, that was a rough answer, especially and Korver hit a couple of threes like he he didn't have a good game but he he if he had gotten more time in theory he would have made some more shots so i can I, tell you i can tell you Brian in the in the Celtics locker room they were very happy that Kyle Korver didn't play more of course they were the uh, the rotation seemed a little jumbled Kyle didn't play in the first quarter and Kevin and LeBron on the bench to start the fourth did did something get out of whack for you or is that the way you wanted it to go well, initially he's been putting Ola J in, so that's been kind of Kyle's matchup when he comes in the game. But he didn't play him tonight, so, you know, it kind of, you know, threw us for a loop. I mean, I feel bad for poor Shemi Ojale. He'll never play another second this season. <laughs> <laughs> they, told, they told him, don't even get on the plane. Don't that's even great. get on the plane. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, so just uh, – uh, you know the self. The, the, you know a couple of players in the Cavs locker room were saying they'd never seen a series where there was such a stark difference between teams play at home and road. Right. Um, and it certainly ranks as high as I can remember. It, not just in the home team winning, I and mean, we see that, but in terms of the you know the Cavs have been absolutely abysmal in Boston, and the Celtics were absolutely abysmal in Cleveland. Um. It hasn't been that enjoyable of a series. For, for a series, it's close. And we'll switch over to Houston here in a minute. But um, I well, don't know. You know it, it's, it's funny how it unfolds because it's almost formulaic. Like the first thing I did when I'm looking and I looked at the box, I'm like, okay, did they shoot 25% from three-point land again, Cleveland, here in Boston? Yes, yep. they did. Yes, they did. And did the Celtics spread out their scoring back here at home? Yes, they did. All the things you need, you know, did Al Horford. Now, Al Horford didn't have a fabulous game, but he, he got back big, to being. All things considered, he had a good game. Yeah, yeah I think he, he got had back 15 to being Al Horford. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's that's who Al is because so many of the things Al does, and we talk about this all the time, are the intangibles, especially on the defensive end. And, you know, I thought one of the great adjustments that the Celtics made that the, the Cavs did not capitalize on, Brian, and I expect them to do in the next game is, so they clearly made a decision. First of all, they put Baines in the lineup. So, you know, that takes away the whole Tristan Thompson thing, the first thing. But the second thing is on that switch that they were doing where LeBron ends up on Terry Rozier, which was clearly a problem. What they decided to do now in this game was Terry would show, Rozier would show or hedge, whichever word you like better, and then go back and then scamper back to his man. Now, that was a good strategy to stop LeBron and to, and to prevent that matchup, which is clearly favorably LeBron from happening. But the way you exploit that is you make the extra pass and you get you get the um, the Celtics in that scramble. Like what did they used to call it in Miami? The mixer, right? Where you have to rotate, rotate, rotate. That's and they right. didn't do that. And they didn't do that. Yeah. So the other thing that was happening, the Celtics were doing, and I don't follow them close enough in the regular season to know where this was normal. So the Cavs were running a lot of. Um, I don't. I'm not an X's and O's person. 
but the Cavs were running a lot of one-three pick and rolls. So George right. Hill would come down. Um, that's what the matchup they wanted. They would have George Hill and LeBron in a pick and roll so that they would try to force a switch on Rozier. So at the times where Rozier did switch and the Cavs got quote unquote what they wanted, Aaron Baines would run out and swap with Terry Rozier. And right. Rozier would go cover, uh, Tristan Thompson. That's and right. So, and so LeBron ended up on Baines. Now LeBron beat Baines a couple of times, but it's not the just, same matchup. Not right. the same matchup as Rozier. You can't overpower Baines. For sure. It's the definition yeah. of the thing you can't one thing you can't do to Baines is overpower him. So the thing about it was, as you said, Jackie, LeBron didn't attack this. LeBron sort right. of just let Baines come. And in the last uh LeBron only had three assists in game uh four and only had five last night. And <clears throat> He just he he wasn't as aggressive and attacking like you, normally you know in that situation if they're doing that take advantage of their ridiculous double switching there mm-hmm. and attack but LeBron just waited he was gassed Brian I don't care what <clears throat> yeah. he says he was no gassed. I and, I agree and you know you know you look for all the telltale signs holding the shorts leaning over he he as so as you know I had a little trouble with my neck last night flared up a little bit so I ended up in this tiny little room on a couch Yeah I, I didn't want to tell your story Jackie but That's you okay should, if you so tell I was the on story a, I was in a tiny little room on a couch cuz I couldn't sit up straight again lucky me and uh, so I was lying there flat and so I had the benefit of seeing the television broadcast and they kept showing LeBron and he looked so tired and, and I've never seen him look like that because he's, he's we seen he kind of we've got him like he's Superman right now he's in per you know nothing can ever affect him he's impervious to everything and I was sitting with Tommy Heinsohn <laughs> it was just surreal what happened to me last night and I was I, Tommy Heinsohn was sitting eating fruit and I was lying prone on this couch trying to stop the uh, nerve pain in my neck and Tommy Heinsohn turned to me and he said he's finally out of gas <laughs> it's <was> just beautiful <laughs> it was uh it's quite a yeah moment. Yeah, so. I mean, and, and it, and it manifests, you know, on TV, they were showing him sort of being lethargic and stuff, but it manifests itself in the meaningful ways like it was attacking, not attacking those, those switches, because by waiting and not going into full attack mode and forcing help and then kicking the ball, that's playing into the Celtics' hands. So, yeah, you know, LeBron's is. numbers were pretty, <laughs> he was 11 to 22, he had 10 rebounds and five assists. The assists were way down, but. That's a pretty damn good game. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, but but it, it but you know what else too? The reason they won the last game, well, many reasons, but one of them was not only did he impose his will offensively, defensively. I think I saw the number that opponents were scoring 0.36 points per possession against him. I mean, that's ridiculously, unbelievably fantastic. If you're LeBron James, and he was not, he did not have the same presence on the defensive end either. And you know what? I think it took a lot out of them to have to have what he did in game four. He had to do everything, both ends. It wears on you. I don't care who you are. Right, and we're now at the stage where it's every other day. They did, they yep, didn't, you know, they it. got the three-day break. In game three, he had great energy, but that was after a three-day break. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, two bottom lines when it, you know, when it comes to the Cavs. One, they miss Kyrie Irving. I know it's a repetitive drum, but... Um, so do the Celtics, had, by the way. <laughs> not as much. <laughs> not as much. Um, if they had Kyrie last night, they'd have won that game. Um, I know that sounds stupid, but that, you know, let's, it's easy to lose sight of the big picture in reality. Um, but that's, and then the other, then the other thing is that they are so reliant on the three pointer. Yes, they are. <clears throat> and the Celtics have done a great job in this series of holding them down. They've, they've only had one th- good three point shooting game. And, um, 
they 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 squeezed out game four without good three point shooting because LeBron scored forty four points and he was just great. Mm-hmm. And and they needed if LeBron scored forty four last night, the Cavs would have probably won that game. But he just you know at some point you just can't do it and that's where he's at. If Cleveland somehow wins the series and wins the finals as an objective third party viewer, would you say that this is the greatest switch flipping team of all time like eclipsing the those o2 lakers <sighs> yeah these, these are pretty big ifs andrew i yeah. mean why not because we, we may only have one more game to even entertain this conversation honestly i felt i felt like last year was a better uh switch flipping for cleveland even though they didn't win just because they're so bad going to the playoffs and they cruise to the east and lose only one game this year i mean this has been a grind for them i mean this is this is the thing i can't figure out with this team though like they destroy the number one seed in the east in the second round but in the first and third it's just what is going on well that's because the number one seed in the east had a huge 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 mental block when it came to lebron i mean they've they melted down at the end of game one, and that was that. Well, I, let's forget about the potential finals. If they, if LeBron gets this Cavs team two more wins, it's a top – I almost want to say it's a top three accomplishment, but he has three titles, so I'll say top four accomplishment in his career <laughs> because this team is not a championship team. It's yeah, but not. what about that? I mean, he's taking a worse team to the finals. The first you know team what? he took to the finals yeah, again, was – Yet I again, mean, I'm going ooh. to dispute that. Dude, really? That first team was that, terrible. Okay. That team, first off, we were in a completely different era at that time. Games were routinely won in the 70s. Okay. That team was a phenomenal defensive team. Phenomenal defensive team. And back then, like, remember, we were in the era where Allen Iverson won the MVP. With four yeah. defenders and himself, um, I know that that was that team a that that team was not a historically good team, but I will object to anybody who says that that team was crap. That team had a lot of redeeming qualities, and it was built for the style of the day, which was when you have to beat the Detroit Pistons, you have to get into hand to hand combat and fight in the trenches trenches and win seventy nine seventy four. And that's what that team did. And so I look at this team and I see a whole bunch of guys who contribute nothing. People like to make fun of Sasha Pavlovich and Eric Snow and all that stuff. Well, Eric Snow defended like a demon, just like he did for for Allen Iverson when he helped that team get to the finals. Yeah, they were overmatched in those finals too, but you know they didn't get there by accident. Uh, Sasha Pavlovich, you know, defended. Um, Ira Newble defended. Uh, Drew Gooden actually had some really good games. I'll tell you what, LeBron, you know, Drew Gooden's long retired, but LeBron could have used Drew Gooden, 2007 Drew Gooden last night. Drew Gooden made baskets. Drew Gooden you was know. a blast. <laughs> he was a blast. Um, I love Drew Gooden. <clears throat> so do I. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> uh, that's enough about the East. Uh, McMahon. Um, Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Andrew, 
Let's talk about something that's very important in life. Do you know what that is? Uh, is it love? That's that's important. I agree. Is it money? <clears throat> also important. This is in the top ten with it. Okay. Uh, it's peace of mind. Oh, okay. Peace of mind. When I was a kid and I heard people talk about that, I thought it was P-I-E-C-E. And oh, I was like, like a piece, a piece of peace. Or a piece of yes, candy. Uh, yeah. Yes, of your mind. Uh, no, peace of mind. Peace of mind is very valuable. You know, the older I get, the more I realize, um, especially in this time where people struggle with anxiety, seems like more than, than in, in when I was younger, peace of mind is very, it's got a lot of value. And that is where uh, one of our new sponsors to the Hoop Collective Pod comes in because it's Simply Safe who protects more than 2 million Americans' homes with home security systems uh, and gives you what, Andrew? Uh, peace. Oh, peace, peace of mind. Peace of mind. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Peace of mind. Um, and uh, so that you know that your home is protected whether you're in it or not. And, you know, you live in a big city, Andrew, Los Angeles. There's a lot of stuff going on. How's your peace of mind when you leave your home? Uh, it is not good because I have a lot of worthless stuff, but it's my stuff. Right. That's right. Um, and, uh, this will not just, uh, you know, it's not just a, a cheap gadget. It protects your windows, your doors, and your entire home, obviously 24 hours a day. And they monitor it. Andrew, you can learn all about it, including the fact that you can pay just 15 bucks a month with no contracts. You can learn more about Simply Safe and how they can protect your home. Just go to simplysafe.com slash hoop. That's simplysafe.com slash hoop. Not my best, but what am I gonna do? Yeah, there's uh, I just I don't know why. I just thought you said had like a robbery story <laughs> sitting in your back no. pocket. I wish I did. No, <laughs> I, no, I don't wish I did, but it would have been good for this moment. <laughs> should have started with the West because it's so much more compelling. McMahon, uh, now all of a sudden the Warriors are a little banged up. Mm -hmm. And I watched our good friend Tom Haberstroh's big number this morning. And Haberstroh was talking about how the uh, Rockets' defense, the switching defense, has, has forced the Warriors into just iso ball. And they've had way more ISO possessions than they've like ever had before. And it slowed the game down. 
and made them less effective. What are we seeing here uh, right now? T- put, what's, your, what's the temperature? I mean, I was absolutely shocked to see the way, not that the Rockets were able to win on the road, but the way that they won. To hold the Warriors to 12 points in the fourth quarter, three of 18 shooting, and I think I think the Rockets' defense was was obviously great down the stretch, but the Warriors clearly ran out of gas. And for Steph Curry to go from shimmy in to can't buy a bucket in the fourth quarter, that was pretty shocking. And now you've got obviously you still got Iguodala, and and, and we'll see. You know, shoot around is uh, is here in a little while. He he's a iffy. It sounds like Clay's going to play, but Clay was awful when he came back after uh, going to the locker room with the knee injury. The other night. He was totally out of sync. I mean, he he, he looked as bad as uh, as the drunk fake Clay that I was able to witness. <laughs> that, out that, was an, that was an all time. That was an all time photo. <laughs> that, that was a was quality great. tweet. Quality tweet. Uh, this is going to be very, very interesting. And, you know, and it's funny because you talk about fatigue for the for the Warriors. The Rockets only played seven guys. You know, Luke Mbamute <laughs> is, is 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 unplayable at this point because he's so out of rhythm. Um, Anderson's not playing. Nene's not playing. Uh, so, I mean, as much as the Iguodal injury hurts the Warriors, it's not like the Rockets are are beating them with numbers. Jackie, what's the old saying in the playoffs? You play eight and trust seven. It's so true. It's funny how every single coach, with the exception of Ty Lue, because we never know what he's going to do from one game to the next, but all the coaches have shortened their rotation. Look at the Celtics. They're playing seven now. They're, got, they're, they're down to seven. Yeah, you're yep. right. That's what happens. You know, It's interesting. Tim, I was watching that game the other night, and I'm watching that Warriors down the stretch, and I'm like, they look like the panicked Rockets of last season, didn't they? Yeah. I, the stat for me from that from that game was zero assists in the final ten and a half minutes of the game. Golden State zero assists. The team that is made a, a, a business out of sharing the ball, right? And, and and like like Wendy said, I mean the the war or the Rockets rather have kind of forced them to become. This ISO heavy team, and, yeah. and that's, I mean, the whole design of the Rockets defense. Switch everything. When you switch everything, you end up forcing teams to go one on one. And Mike D'Antoni's deal is look, we're going to play ISO ball. We feel like we've got the best ISO player in the world. And then Chris Paul being on a very short list. And his, his deal is if we go ISO versus ISO, I don't care who we're playing, you know, we'll, we'll take our chances with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so far, but what's, I mean, it's crazy to see those two teams play a game in the 90s with all right. that offensive yeah. firepower. And, you know, the Rockets went over five minutes to start the game without getting a basket. And then Harden carried them for a little while. Then Chris Paul got rolling. And, but, I mean, I, I, I compared it. It was, like a, it was like a heavyweight fight where guys had just been throwing haymakers the whole time. And the fourth quarter, I mean, it was just like they were kind of leaning up against each other. They had nothing left. You know, when I this, I feel my age in the NBA all the time now. And uh, you know, when I first oh, started, stop it! I don't even want to have this <laughs> conversation <laughs> with you. Just stop um, right there. Stop. Well, uh, I just when I first started covering the league, you only switched pick and rolls like in desperation situations at the end right. of the games. Oh yeah, like it's you a know, pick and roll league now. It's all right, it is a pick and, and roll now league. everybody plays roughly same size players so it becomes um but 
to me, the thing that was so impressive about Houston, and I almost feel like it should be studied by teams going into the future, is that the the, the Warriors got so hot at that in the end of the third quarter. And Steph is throwing in everything. Durant's got guys leaning all over mm-hmm. him. He's throwing in shots. The crowd is just going crazy. They're all wearing yellow. It's oh, like, yeah. oh boy, the yellow. It's, the yellow it's didn't help them. Yeah. By the way, the Cavs fans wore yellow in games three and four. Um, the, uh, the 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 fans are going crazy. You know, um, Houston's got to call timeouts. I mean, it's curtains, right? It's curtains. Steph, and, it was shimmy and ended up double figures. Like you, right? You and he's that's he's it. throwing so, in everything. But so let me ask you this question because I've been thinking about this. I know they all played heavy minutes because we've already discussed the fact that the rotations are, are, are nubbed down to seven, maybe eight occasionally. If you're Steve Kerr and you know if you go up three to one in that game, the series is over, do you take Steph out? Yeah, you know, Steve is still living with some of the lineup decisions he made in the 2016 finals game seven. I know that. I know that. Um, but I, I really and – and this isn't hindsight on my part. When he took him out, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I mean, would have done that. And he was just unbelievable. He was, I mean, he was unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he, he had, look, uh, I am so engrossed in this world that, that I'm in right now. I can't educatedly talk about the Warriors rotations, but I was surprised to see Kevon Looney out there in the fourth quarter, um, as the fifth man. And, um, I know that Nick Young has not, has not he was gotten off. it done. Well, Looney's actually Looney's actually been good in the series. Well, and he wasn't helping him in that fourth quarter. Yeah, he so. wasn't. He wasn't good in the fourth. He looked panicked. He looked like what he was—a young yeah, player who was a exactly. little panicked. Yep. So I, I mean, I, I, I I'm, I'm, I step well, back. That's where Iguodala I, being hurt. Like, I mean, do you trust Nick Young in those situations? Well, he clearly didn't. And, and I know, and then, and I know you can't go big. Their roster is so weird. Their roster—they've got like a thousand big guys, but, but they don't want to play mistaken, any of them. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be mistaken, I don't think Capella was in the game. No, yeah, Capella didn't play that much. They, they, yeah, he didn't play they that were, well either. They were, yeah, they were able to kind of play him off the floor. So um, we've either. But got, here's my question. Well, so I was going to say, Brian, but here's another question. Like, so I get that there's there are too many bigs, and you don't want to go too big. But see, at some point, don't you just trust David West, who's been around forever, and is just one of those gutsy Marcus Smart make things happen kind of guys. Don't you just trust him for two or three minutes? Or Sean Livingston, who I, you know. Well, I, he had a bad game. He was struggling. And, you know, I think uh, the, the thing, the minutes thing for him, Brian, I think is a deal. I don't know if you yeah, agree, yeah, Tim, but yeah. based on his life history and, you know, yeah. they've, they've been careful his entire career to keep his minutes around 19 minutes, I think, 19, 20 minutes. And yeah, I think that's, right. yeah, I think that's something point. they just, yeah, so. Good point. The thing I thought was shocking was when Kerr said after the game that the, he didn't put Curry back in because Semi Ojale didn't check back in. Yes, I know. He thought Shemi Ojale. Oh, my God. Shemi. That's just the greatest thing ever. There were people in the American Athletic Conference, I think that's where SMU plays, who didn't match up with Shemi Ojale the way Ty Lue did. I mean, that was so funny. Um, So, so Tim, what do we, you know, know, stick your your finger in the air here? What What do you think now? Man, I don't know. Like, how hard is this series to predict? Because yeah, I agree. we finally got a close game, but before that, it's like blowout, blow. But they're like alternating blowouts. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. Well, well, uh, this is like um, 
the most important home game for the Rockets since the nineties, right? Yeah, since since the Clutch City days. So, what sort of atmosphere are we expecting in Houston? You know tonight? what? Honestly, it's going to be unbelievably emotional. Because okay. well, because they're 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 going to have the Santa Fe High School senior class is going to be there. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, they're going to have the Santa Fe High School choir sing the national anthem. Wow! wow. They're doing the. Uh, they're going to have like an encore tribute pregame. They're playing a video pregame. So like, it's going to be a and, and I mean, it's going to be an unbelievably emotional uh, atmosphere. And yeah, I I don't know what kind of impact that has on on the game, but it's gonna it's definitely gonna be something that is uh, unique and and like you know far from your normal playoff atmosphere that goes way beyond just a a you know a, a game five of a of a Western Conference Finals type of deal. Um, I've covered so many of these, and last night was not a classic one, but I've covered so many of these Game 5s over the years where it's 2-2. And these Game 5s, a lot of times, end up defying the series. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they it ends up being you know the, the, the Game 7, Game 6, something crazy happens. But there's just, everybody feels the importance, although I didn't think the Cavs played with the urgency yesterday, but... Um, these are these are huge huge moments when it's two two, um, and well, everything the Celtics, everything the Rockets have done in the last year comes down to this. But don't you think that the Rockets win they just had the the other night to me was the biggest win in their franchise since Hakeem and the boys? I do. I thought that was a huge win. I just huge. couldn't. I can't compliment their composure exactly. after that third quarter run enough. Yeah, um, the only one you could you could even put up there would be. The, the crazy comeback against the Clippers. Right, um, right. This just felt like it. And, and part of it, I think, too, is just because it was so much of it had to do with Chris Paul, right? And that was right. the whole reason he came here. And, man, did he, to, to coin your phrase, Tim, he showed cojones, cojones, cojones. Oh, up yeah. And, and after, like, the first quarter, like, okay, is Chris Paul going to make any kind of impact in this series? Right. I mean, right. he didn't – He no points – for the second straight first quarter, didn't get an assist to the last, like the, the last split second of the quarter. And then, I mean, it was like three and a half minutes left in the half. He hits a really tough fadeaway corner three pointer over Durant. And then boom, he gets rolling. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, in, in the fourth quarter, he, you know, he, he got some buckets there early when they make that run to get back in. They're down 12 in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, he was also just a huge part of uh, of what they were doing defensively there. Yeah. Also, just stabilizing the team. They actually ran some sound from D'Antoni in the uh, huddles where he was like, all right, they're hot. Cool. That's all right. You know, and I know that that sounds pretty basic. You're like, oh, thank you very much, genius. But there, I think there's something to be said for a coach's demeanor coming yeah. into a huddle in that situation saying – right. Um, you know, I remember um, Stan Van Gundy. I always remember this um, the 2009 conference finals. Um, you know, the Cavs were 8 0 in the uh, in the playoffs, and the, the Celtic or the uh, Magic had just beat the Celtics in seven games, and the Cavs got up by like 25 points. And there was all these huddles where they played the sound, and Stan was like, 
Hey, look at the scoreboard, guys. We're down 17. Guys, look at the scoreboard. We're down 12. Hey, we're down seven. And like, you know, he was just very, for all the people who think he's sort of Mr. Grump, like he was very encouraging and like sort of easing that team back. And I always remember that, um, you know, just sort of not giving up. And uh, I thought that, you know, in a situation where nobody would have been surprised if the Rockets just folded up, um, I was expecting it. There. Well, well and, did, and didn't you see little evidence of it with Harden too? You know, driving. There was that one play down the right side where he drove and he lost the ball. He's looking for a foul. He's walking back. I'm like, here we go. And and Chris Paul was like, nope, nope, not happening, not happening. I, I just thought it was just a really incredible performance by by Chris Paul. Well, I am just really looking forward to this game tonight. This is uh, this is this is it. This is the, what the Rockets have been building towards. This is. Um, the design of their team, the, you know, the, the hardened trade to the Chris Paul trade to everything. It builds up to this game. I mean, this is their opportunity. I, I don't think if they fall down three, two going back, I don't think they can, I think it's a real tough ass to ask them to win again out there. So this is it. And I, and I mean, I feel the gravity of the moment. Um, and you know, Chris Paul, you know, he doesn't know, he doesn't know how many opportunities he's going to get here. And then right. the, and the Warriors, who I still think are just so incredibly just – they are such a mountain to climb. But, you know, because of the injuries, they're, when they got one leg at the table, it's a little wobbly. Um, well, also, I think you had to look at the end of that game and say they lost their composure. They panicked. They took rush shots. They took bad shots. Oh, my shots. God. You're right, Jack. They threw up some terrible oh my God. shots. I was like, Durant, what are you doing? Like – Take the dude in the post and score over him, which you can do, it seems to me, at almost any time. And even Steph, you know, bad shots. And it, you just don't expect them to panic. And I thought there was a little bit of panic. You know what it was to me? It was almost like, and this happens so often with Golden State, it's always been their bugaboo, right? It's like their urgency. They're like, oh, wait, we might lose this game. It was way too late when they realized it. Way right. too late. Right? Well, when Steph shimmy in, I mean, it, that's like, okay, this is over. You know, the yeah. celebration began, and he shimmied, and then they fell apart after that. That's what yeah. I give the Rockets credit for. The, the, that's why the, the the Warriors, you know, they had knocked the guy out. Was the Undertaker, you know, that uh, the Undertaker's laying flat on his back, and he just gets up? The, yeah. the Warriors would mm-hmm. walked away. Thinking that they dropped, they dropped them. Like, all right, it's over. You know, it's yeah. like in the movie where you think you've uh, killed the villain and he comes flying back up at you. Um, they made the mistake of not finishing them. And and, and uh, you know what? I think they did that. I think they did that after game one, and then they did it again, like you said, in the fourth quarter of uh, of game four. I don't know that the and and. Maybe it's changed now, but I don't. I don't know that the Warriors really respected the Rockets going into this series. That's a fair comment. I don't. I mean, who do the Warriors respect? Nobody. They, I think they may respect LeBron James, but they don't probably respect his team. Um, but like, I bet they. I bet they've changed their minds. <laughs> well, yeah. we're gonna see. We're gonna see. But you know, it's like Draymond. They know, yeah, you know, we give ourselves one of those kind of uh, don't show up games per series. Well, they already had that game. Yeah, I yeah, know. they sure they did. said that after game two, and, and it's just like, wow. He's man. been great though, hasn't he? Been great. Yeah, I mean, he's I know been... he hasn't shot. I know he hasn't shot the ball great. Well, well but he's, but, he's he ran out of gas. He ran out of gas. 
I, saw I know. that with the missed dunk, but I can't take my eyes off the guy. He, the, 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 the amount of ground he covers to get rebounds, to defend, like even the, the dunk, you know, where Harden posterized him, and it was an incredible yeah. dunk and all that. But look where he came from to try to stop him. Uh, most guys would have just said, ah, forget it, you know. Thank you, Jackie. Um, this is what I'm talking about. We shouldn't, you know, belittle people who try to play defense yeah. by, by saying, oh, they got dunked on. No, they tried to defend and it didn't work. Kudos That's right. to you. Yep, Exactly. I know people say I'm not. I don't. I don't let anybody have fun. But I just. <laughs> I mean, sorry. I uh, here I go. I can't. I should stop myself. But sorry, I would rather have my defender coming up on the guy and trying to stop him to get crossed over than standing eight feet back and letting him, you know, not get embarrassed but right. not defend. Hey, that's why we love man bun here in Boston. I'm telling you. Care how many times you dunk on him? He had a good game last night too, by the way. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Andrew, we have this new product that we have. We're uh, sponsoring the podcast. And before I tell you what it is, I'm just going to tell you about their website. Okay. Because I think it it sort of speaks for itself. You go to their website, which I will tell you in a minute. Okay. And this is what it says. It says, against staggering odds, two things happened. One, the universe. Two, you. Let's walk at our full height. Honor our forebearers. Have a smile and for God's sake, floss. And then it has two links. One to shop hair and one to shop sex. Well, I'm... Now, which should I click on? <laughs> I there's one I want you to click on, and then there's one I need you to click on. Okay. Well, you and I both are very fortunate in the fact that we have very good hair. Mine is a toupee. I don't believe that to be true. <laughs> um, you have very strong hair. Regrettably, I have good hair. I have good hair. I have other things that are very bad about me, but my hair is positive. So. I'm not going to shop hair. I'm going to shop sex. Oh, okay. Um, I need you, needed you to shop hair, but I guess we can shop sex. Oh, okay. Well, because I can't, um, I can't grow any facial hair. So anytime someone says something about hair, I'm interested. Me either. I, uh, you, but you sometimes have facial hair. It's very sad. It's sad but facial I, hair. It's be- it's better than what I can do. My I couldn't grow it for anything. It's terrible. This is the empowerment that this product offers. Um, This is what they say on their website. And remember, if you look good, you'll feel good. If you feel good, you'll play good. If you play good, they'll pay good. If they pay good, you'll live good. If you live good, you'll die good. Okay, I like I like all of that up until the die good part. I don't want anyone to dictate to me when I die. I don't care um, if it's good. Well, I don't care if it's bad. I don't care whatever it is. Just there, like, there's just, no such thing as is good dying. I don't right, yeah, just just stop with the live good, and I'm good enough for me. Well, this uh, product is on forhims.com, f o r h i m s dot com, which is a one stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Andrew, which of these things going to help you with? Um, I feel well sexually, 
Good. And you have already said that I don't need hair issues. I don't think you do. So I, I think I could use better skin. Better skin would be good for me. I think every I think all of us could use better skin. But other people may have other issues. sexual wellness issues that they can go to there or hair loss, hair loss issues. issues. I think so like I think that comment that you you read off the site where what is if you look good then you'll feel good. Like I think that's a, a tangible thing that if you have confidence then that projects itself to the people around you and they they pick up on that. And if looking good helps you give confidence then and that's and that's that. Well, for hymns is uh, they do this stuff and they do it with medical grade solutions. That's a pretty good credo to uh, to live by. Which is, um, you know, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you'll play good. If you play good, they'll pay good. If you pay good, you live good. And if you live good, you die good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and this is one of these things where you will uh, you will tell them what you need, whether it be uh, skincare. For hair loss, or for sex, sex loss, or or sex loss, sexual wellness is the correct way to say it, sir. Um, You will fill out some information. You will be put in touch with a doctor, and you will get a prescription, and then they will ship the products right to you, Andrew. Okay. So our listeners get a free trial month of Four Hymns for just five bucks. Um, The website. The website, you should just check it out because there's some funny stuff on there and some interesting stuff. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you think, Andrew Hahn. Um, and this would cost a lot more money if you went to a doctor or just to a pharmacy. Um, so go to forhims.com slash collective. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash collective. Forhims slash collective to check out what they can do for you. So, Brian, I was thinking about you the other day. I don't even know why. When um, I saw Steph Curry's daughter, and I was remembering your little rant about her before you had children. And I remember thinking in my head, wait till Brian has children. He'll he'll understand. Do you feel differently now? Is no. My question. <laughs> your child isn't old enough yet. That's I, uh, I've gone. So the thing is, uh, I just, you know, access has been cut so much. It has. That's true. Um, and not only that, but now players routinely go up with two people at the podium. So you, your questions are naturally in half. And if you don't ask, like LeBron James has a 40-point game, and he goes up the podium with Kevin Love. And then when you would like to ask LeBron three questions in a row, he's like, oh, don't you ask Kevin any questions? I say, well, yeah. how about Kevin come up here by himself? So my thing is, um, you know, I just – after the championship or, you know, you win the East or West and you win the championship, sure. But you lose a game and you bring your – and which was happening that particular postseason. There were players who were losing games who were bringing their kids up to the podium and using their kids sort of as shields. And so, no, I didn't think it was cool. 
Sorry. It'll uh, it'll cross the line when players lose games and come up with just random kids. Just they'll just pluck any kid out. Actually, of the right. when they come up with Brian's kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you'll notice, it's not happening really anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was on the. I, I feel confident about being on the right side of history. Again, after the championship, you win the championship, you can do whatever you want. I just couldn't it's resist. Over. I just couldn't resist. I know. Well, God, you're a grumpy old fart. <laughs> I'm sorry. Somebody's got to defend. Uh, you know, somebody's got to speak the sanctity up. of the podium. <laughs> well, look. Uh, really, fun. what happens is during the entire regular season for six months, we interview the players in the locker room, and when the yeah. player comes out of the locker room, is family time. That is because their their work day is over. They've punched the clock. Their family is waiting for them, and especially if it's a really big game, they're happy to see them. So what happens in the postseason is we they come out of the locker room. It's punch the clock time. It's time for the family to come see them, and oh, you have to go to the podium because just the nature of the demands of you know the that's where they that's really what happened is that when the player comes out of the locker room, especially their kids, they want to see dad. So I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, I just you know, you know at the end of the day, I'd like to be able to ask the player. And here's the thing. I never ask questions in press conferences anymore. <laughs> of course because, you don't. Because yeah, nobody I've, does. Lo- I've long decided that you're not going to get real answers there. No, you so just wait till a, they get off the podium and you walk back with them to the locker room. Or you talk with them before. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I've sort of evolved just thinking, you know, do whatever up there now because it's not you're not going to get, you know, occasionally you do get stuff. But, like, just like the LeBron – thing where he remembered every single play of the fourth quarter early in the series you know people were so excited oh my gosh he's the smartest guy in the world he not he great he was being condescending to the media on that question because because the Cavs blew a game which they would really like to have back right now um blew a game in the fourth quarter where they were um well, they didn't blow it. They were behind, but they, you know, LeBron came in the game and completely the team completely collapsed. And somebody asked a legitimate question. Marla Ridenauer from the Akron Beacon Journal asked a legitimate question about what took place in that crucial moment of the game. And LeBron was condescending. He answered her literally and didn't answer the question. And everybody celebrated LeBron for the answer. But what LeBron was doing was, you know, being condescending. So, um, you know. I, you know, I'm not going to sit back here and just pretend like I don't know what's going on. So, um, but I know when I say it, I'm the bad guy. I'm the, I'm the grump. I'm the jerk. But, and LeBron is very giving of his time to the media. I'm not, I'm fine with it. I mean, he's very giving of his time to the media, but yeah, he, is he was pretty good. He, he was being he condescending good. with that answer. You for do which have an Oscar was, the Grouch type of demeanor. Well, but we know better. We know better. We do. Before everyone heads out, it's the morning of Game 5 in Houston. Tim, is the winner of this game going to win the series between Golden State and Houston? There's an 83% chance that, based (laughs) on history. (laughs) No, I'll say this. Either the Warriors win the series in six, the Rockets win in seven. Oh. Oh. The Warriors win in six, or the Rockets win in seven. Okay. I'm sticking that's, to that. That's a reasonable thing to say. That is. Well, don't you feel uh, the same way about I do? Either the, the either either Celtics or the Cavs win in seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, only because. Well, 
Because <laughs> the Celtics can't play on the road. I guess, but... You keep expecting I, them to, right? I, you know, my, my thing is, I think the Cavs actually have discovered something, how to slow the Celtics down these last three, three, four games. And... But part of me thinks that that window is going to close, that they that they let the opportunity pass because they they had a great opportunity in game two when they were up by eight at the at the half right. and mm-hmm. and they had a terrible second half and then last night so in so part of me says Jackie though that maybe the Cavs should have already won this series. I, mm-hmm. I just think you're going to get us and like the obviously the Celtics have been great at home, blah blah blah. I think you're going to get a superhuman LeBron game seven performance. Yeah, but I've seen that before and not get it done when he's not. Well, you saw it in game two. Yeah, but I so I, I still and think I will say series. when I say um, when I was in the locker room last night, I talked to a couple Cavs players and said to them, oh, "He man, he looks really tired." I wasn't interviewing them; I was just talking with them. Yeah. They're like they're like, "Yeah, he does." I said, "Well, but I guess for game six he'll be better." And then one of the guys looked at me and goes, "Yeah, but does that mean he comes back in game seven and he's tired again?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, people were saying last night, well, LeBron will be great. I mean, LeBron has won five consecutive game sevens, which is, yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty damn good. Do. That's what great um, players do, yeah. And, you know, he, he did win game seven 2016 on the road, which is pretty damn good. But at some point, the string is up. And I'd say that same thing about the Cavs this season. And even in this series, at some point, the string is going to be up. And like I said, I think they've let the Celtics off the hook the last two games in Boston, they should have gotten one of those games. And right. maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's going to end up being what brings them down. Um, but you know what? You could almost say the same thing about the Celtics too, Brian. Like at some point, this fantasy bubble pops, you know, without all these great players and these young players, at some point, the enormity of the moment costs them a series. Now, whether that happens or not, I don't know. The one thing I'll say is this idea of the Celtics doesn't, they don't have any stars. That is nonsense. They have two, and they're evolving before your very eyes. So that narrative doesn't make sense anymore because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both going to be stars. And I really think Al Horford is a great player to have in the postseason. He is. (laughs) Oh, wow. I just, you know, there was four teams offering offering a max contract. No, he's like the glue. He's like your but, ultimate glue but I, guy. I'd like to point out that last year, before Jalen Brown was this and Jason Tatum was that, they got run out of this series four-one. So, you know, it, it, it takes more than Al Horford, but he's. But when there's other some other guys to 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 uh, to lift him up, he's an incredible anchor to have, which is well, he's so unselfish too. Doesn't care. Like that's why Tate, uh, you know, Irving. Hayward, Horford, if they all stay, which is an interesting question that yeah. we'll get to another day. Um, Al's not going to care about sacrificing shots, minutes, any of that. He's just not. It has to feel a little surreal to LeBron, for LeBron to be in Cleveland and watch a Garnett, Pierce, Rail, and Rondo team just like be insurmountable so he leaves Cleveland. And now there's all this swirling speculation about LeBron again. And he's looking across at the other team, and it's like a completely different Boston roster that, again, might. Well, it was ten years ago. I mean, one of the one of the incredible, um, uh, amazing things about this um, uh, the, le- the the longevity of LeBron is that Donovan Mitchell was at the Boys and Girls Club in uh, 
in uh, what city in Connecticut? Greenwich, Connecticut. Greenwich, Connecticut mm-hmm. at the decision. Is that true? That's yeah. crazy. That's a great little nugget. He wasn't, I didn't know that. He wasn't in the – he was at the club, but he wasn't in the little gym where they did it. Oh, okay. okay. But he was a kid. Yeah. He was one of the boys. Yeah, that's funny. And now sure. he's in the league dominating. <laughs> and so that just tells you how long ago um, – and by the way, that was the last summer LeBron wasn't in the finals. Hmm. And he's been in the finals every year since. And so that just – you know, yeah, it's a different era, but that's because it's a compliment because he's been there for all those. Er- he's dominating for all this era. So, but it's got to come to an end someday. And yep, that, it always that, does, and it's never pretty. Now. It's never that's pretty. Right. And this series hasn't been pretty. Mm. All right, well, I've got to uh, to move. And McMahon, thank you very much. I will be looking forward to your coverage tonight, Jackie. I'm coming back to Boston. Will it be for Game Seven? Or will it be for game three? Mm. I don't know, man. Either way, hopefully I won't be on the couch. That's what I'm All right. Doing. Well, I hope you feel better. Thank you, Andrew All Hahn. right, guys. Thanks for listening one. to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Bye-bye, guys. Adios, amigos. <laughs>